Hello everyone and welcome to Healthline 3. For the next 30 minutes, we will be diving in and discussing a common health issue, back pain. Joining me for the show is Dr. Matthew Hefner. He is a neurosurgeon with Willis-Knighton Precision Surgery. So welcome, Dr. Hefner. All right, so let's go ahead and talk first about back and we're gonna talk about neck pain too. Mm -hmm. Many of us feel like we live with them constantly. What are some of the more common issues? And, and will we all experience neck and back pain at some point in our lives? Yeah, great question, because the truth is that over 90% of Americans at some point are gonna be experiencing some issue with neck or back pain. Common things are pain that starts in the middle of the neck, maybe in the muscles on the side, same for the back. It's gonna be right in the middle, maybe in the muscles just off to the side and occasionally it will radiate or move down into the arms and legs as well. The truth though is that most of the time this can be treated with very simple measures. Okay, so let's talk about those simple measures. What are some things besides having your spouse rub your back? Yeah. <laughs> what are some other things you can do? Yeah, so really a lot of times people will have neck or back issues that flare up just because maybe the muscles that attach to the spine have become weakened over time. So a big core component of treating this is going to be getting involved with some type of therapy, physical therapy, or even a physician guided home exercise program to strengthen those muscles to help decrease abnormal motion and to try to help with the neck and back pain. Other than that, over-the-counter medications, common anti-inflammatories, Tylenol, or prescription medications tend to help as well. Uh, often when we get stressed and anxious, it seems like we have more mm -hmm. neck and back pain. Are, are those things actually associated? Do our muscles tense up and, and misbehave when we've got a, a lot of anxiety going on? For sure, I see that all the time. People will come in saying, I was doing great, and then all of a sudden, for the past few weeks, my neck has been tensed up, my back has been, and I ask, you know, is there anything going on differently? Have you started a new job? Have you started exercising? Are you stressed out? And a lot of times it is. The muscles will tense up and will certainly flare up these issues. So often our pain can be caused by overexertion. You know, you get the, the weekend warrior, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you decide to get out there and clean out your gutters or do things that uh, normally you don't do. Mm -hmm. um, how, what, what kinds of advice and guidance can you give us uh, to help prevent really the more serious problems that can come with uh, lifting things that are too heavy or, or doing projects that really uh, we haven't been doing anything like that right. before? So a lot of it just boils down to what I tell people, common sense. So if it feels too heavy, if it feels like it's more than you can safely lift on your own, you need to go ask somebody to help you. Otherwise, if it's minor chores, minor tasks that don't involve heavy lifting, you wanna use good posture, good form. So like we've always heard, if you're gonna pick something up off the ground, make sure you bend down with your knees, keep it close to your body, and pull up just like that. Don't be hunching forward. Ah, so you, you, that was a really great tip. Do you have any additional tips like that? I, I, I just say, honey, will you come help? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, a lot of us uh, want to try to do things ourselves. It's, uh, it makes us feel like we're still physically able. Yeah, so um, you know, if you're lifting anything very heavy, like I said, you need to make sure you have somebody help you out. And otherwise, make sure you're not straining your neck looking forward. Make sure you're not straining your back keep your back nice and arched and tight. And I tell people too, if you know you have a big project coming up, 
and you've had maybe some back aches before, always getting a back support belt is never a bad idea too. So tell me about a back support. Is that just kind of like the belt mm -hmm. that you see um, people wearing like at Home Depot who bring things down from the higher shelves? Is that what, what you mean by a back support belt? Exactly. Nothing complicated, nothing like a prescription brace. I don't recommend those routinely, but if you're going to be involved with something heavy, it's just a simple Velcro brace you can pick up from any drugstore or major store. Around the area. Are there any other things like that that you recommend that people get as preventive for um, creating problems? So nothing, you know, specifically otherwise for preventative measures other than just, you know, being careful the way you're lifting things. And I tell them, you know, if you do something, though, and you feel like afterwards you've really pulled something out, like your back's bothering you, your neck's bothering you, visit your primary care doctor. Let them take a look at you. Maybe they can put you on a short course of medications to help with the pain, stretches, things of that sort. All right, well, we already have a caller. And uh, Betty, please, uh, welcome to the show and uh, ask the doctor your question. Yes, uh, I have severe neck, severe extreme back, and my left hip is always locking up or feel like it's going out. I need to know what kind of help can I get? Where can I get it? What, 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 I mean, I'm just like, severe pain all the time. I can bear, I can't even go to my mailbox or take out my trash or anything. I need help. Okay, and so your question basically is, you're in a lot of pain, you can't get to your mailbox, you can't get around and do much at all. What should you do? And I, I, and I think uh, the doctor's gonna have a good answer for that yeah. one. How long has this been going on I, for? I really wish he would. Yes, how long has it been going on? Oh, uh, it's been going on a long time, over 10 years. I, I just, re well, I'm, I've been out of work now for at least two or three years now, not able to work or anything. Do you live alone? Yes. You do, okay, so that's especially difficult. Any advice? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is something I see all the time. If this has been going on for a long time, and by a long time, I mean, you know, certainly over a few months, a good first step for you know anybody that's experiencing difficulty getting around, moving around, is going to be to consider getting involved with physical therapy. And that's something that certainly someone like I could set up, your primary care physician could set up, as well as getting you started on some basic medications that not pain pills, not anything that, that's, that's addictive, but things that are meant to help with the pain. That is a great starting point. And then we can reassess you after a couple of months of intense physical therapy and see how things are going from there. Okay, as far as, like, okay, so the primary, my primary kit, I'm, I'm in the process of getting to pain management and going for some x-rays and things like that, you know, but the pain is so severe and it's taking, this process taking so long to, you know, get these things done to get some help. Yes, ma'am. If you're having any difficulty with your primary care physician, again, I'm more than happy to see you as well. 
Uh, I see a lot of patients that are referred to me, but I'm more than happy to see you as well. If you um, want to come to me directly, let me evaluate you, and we can always go from there. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, thank you for calling, Betty. And, you know, when you get to the topic of pain, uh, talk about some of the things, you know, we, we've all watched the opioid mm -hmm. crisis, and we all have this fear of pain meds, which we now today know can be very addictive and have serious long-term consequences. And then we're all familiar with Advil, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. What's between opioids and Advil? There are certain things that out there that can help with pain that don't necessarily put you at risk of addiction. Correct. I assume. Yes. Correct. So things, you know, I agree with you completely. Overuse of medications, as pain medications specifically, have been a real issue in our society. And Certainly there are patients that have severe chronic pain and pain medication does have a very small role in that small fraction of patients. Other things just then over-the-counter Advil, ibuprofen is going to be things that work along the same lines. They're anti-inflammatory medications that cut back on, in, on that process going on and they are prescriptions. So common ones I prescribe, meloxicam, Mobic, things of that sort can help out. And another big one that I prescribe too are muscle relaxants as well. Mm -hmm. They typically are not addictive, they're non-sedating for most people. These two types of medications are generally the ones that are gonna help the most with most of the back and neck pain that I see. All right, so I believe we have another caller. Let's see, is it Linda? Yes. Okay, Linda, thanks for calling. What's your question for Dr. Hefner? Yes, I uh, suffer from a lot of pain in my shoulder, and it comes from my from my neck, and uh, it's it's like a stiffness, you know, a stiffness and and pulling and drawing, and my blood pressure stays up and, and because of the pain, you know, and uh, I was I I told my doctor I wanted an MRI because um, you know referred me to someone to get an MRI because. Uh, and I had, I had got it done, and it, you know, it, 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 you can't sleep, you know, unless you take something, you know, to make you, and I, I don't like taking, <laughs> taking stuff to make me sleep, and I don't like taking a whole lot of pain medicine, you know, but I have to take it to get some relief, you know. Yeah, I think she really touched on the concern that I raised when, with the question just now about people are afraid of taking a mm -hmm. lot of pain medicine. What, what do you have to tell her uh, about this? It sounds like you've really got a lot of pain and you're not gonna be seeing the doctor right away. I mean, there are things that should be able to happen right now to at least give you some relief. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm, a, I'm right there with you. Pain medication is not something that I typically prescribe unless it's somebody I've done surgery on. You know, I would recommend coming in to see me. Let me take a look at your imaging that you've already had, especially if a large component of the pain is pain that runs from your neck down into your arms or hands. That is something that may indicate more of an issue with a pinched nerve, a disc herniation. And so there are certain medications like gabapentin, Lyrica, very common medications that are meant to help more with the nerve type pain. And even medications aside, you know, there are things like injections that I can refer for to have done into the neck 
that provide very good long-term benefit. But always best, you know, for someone like me to evaluate your imaging first before we go down that hole. Yeah, that makes right, good right. sense. All right, do you have any more questions yeah. for the doctor? Uh, so you, so in other words, I don't have to, I don't have to be have a referral. I can, can, can I just make an appointment and see the doctor? Or do I have to have, like, do I have to have a referral? Uh, you I do mean, not have to have doctor. a referral. Actually, you can just call my office, and we will gladly work you in as soon as we can. Yeah. And where's the office? Yes, where's your office? Where are you located? It's of lo course, we're the Arklatex, so yeah. we, we always like to be specific. My office is located on the Willis Knight and Bozier campus. Uh, so the Willis Knighton on Bozier has a few different buildings. We are in the pavilion building on the second floor. So it's right off 220. Yes, So it's uh, easy access from Texarkana, Shreveport, all yes, around. It's absolutely. easy to get there. Yeah, I have a lot of patients from the whole region. So, so you say it's not, it's over, it's, it's not online. It's not online. Off the line. No, it's not on Line Avenue. It's over in Bossier City, off of uh, 220, over the um, uh, near which which crossroads? Airline. Yeah, Benton. it's uh, it's just north of Interstate 220, right between Airline and Benton Road. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. And Thank I'll you so much. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you so much for calling. So let's talk about you know these callers that we've had. What are some signs that somebody really does need to come see you? That this is beyond the you know take Advil every few hours mm -hmm. type of thing. Things that I see that you know I tell patients that they need to come see me right away, or the primary physician would, is pain, numbness, tingling that runs down into the arms and hands, down into the leg, commonly known as sciatica. That in itself is not an urgent issue, but if that's been going on for a long time, it's probably best to get in and see a specialist. Other things that are worrisome for me is if someone has neck and arm issues, but they're also developing weakness with the hands, clumsiness, they're dropping things, balance issues, and certainly any loss of bowel or bladder control is a very urgent issue that prompts being seen by me sooner than later. All right, so next we have uh, Catherine, is that correct? Is that our, our caller? What's our, our, we have another caller? That's correct. Okay, please go ahead Hello. and ask your question. You have a question okay. for us? Okay. You, you, you mentioned that this begin in the neck and it goes down to the arms, okay? It certainly can, yes. That's one of the things that he was saying is when it begins in the neck and is shooting into the arms and you have a tingling or a numbness or something like that, that condition is one that merits calling right away and getting in. Are you, are you suffering from that? Yes, I am, but okay, they can start it out in my lower back. I thought that it was, you know, doing that, so. So, let, I think what one of the things that's interesting that you're, you've, you've pointed out is that a neck problem doesn't necessarily mean you've got pain in the neck. It creates, because of the, the spine, 
it creates problems in other parts of the body where you think, oh wow, I've got an arm problem or a mm -hmm. leg or a foot, and actually you have a neck problem. That's correct, yeah. And you know, a, just because you have arm pain only and then no neck pain, like you said, does not rule out that it's not a neck issue. Anything that starts from behind the shoulder or in the arm and runs down the arm can indicate something like a pinched nerve from a bone spur, disc herniation. And like I said, if patients have severe compression from their neck, it can show up as balance issues, loss of bowel or bladder control, weakness on one side of the body or the other. When people um, have these, these, I think of bulging discs, you know, often mm -hmm. people will say, I've, I, you know, I've got to go see a surgeon, I've got a, a worn disc or a bulging disc or something like that. Those issues are fairly hereditary too, aren't they? So we don't have a clear, direct genetic link that we know about, but I will say I see all the time patients will say, well, my mom had it or my father had it and it runs in the family. And so even though we don't directly have proof that it runs in families, I definitely see it at least in the office, people are saying all the time. Do you tend to see it more with men or women, or especially I would think older people because your disc wears down over time? Yeah, that's right. Our discs are made of mostly water. And so over time as we age, the disc will dry out. And as it dries out, the disc can start to bulge, herniate backwards, rupture. And so naturally that's gonna happen throughout a lifetime. So not necessarily a male or female preference, but certainly in the older population. And we see a lot of times it's, it's people who have you know worked very manual, rigorous jobs, but I also see it a lot in people who have desk jobs and don't. So you actually raise a, an important question that, that I have. You know, we've got a lot of people coming in who have problems because they look at their phone uh -huh. and they're texting all the time or yeah. they have what is that is it forward neck mm -hmm. uh you know posture where uh and we're working at desk and mm -hmm. we've got our our hands and arms uh maybe at a place where it, over time it yeah. causes carpal tunnel are you seeing a lot of text neck and yeah. all that and and how do you prevent it how what do what do we do? You know, for text messaging, there's not a whole lot you can do just because the inherent message, the inherent nature of being on your phone is that you're constantly looking down and typing. So other than just not being on your phone all the time or constantly looking down, um, there's not a lot you can do for that, but we're just in such a digital and technical age that I certainly see it a lot. Now, all the time I have patients that have neck issues and I, I ask, you know, well what, well, what do you do for a living? And like you said, they'll say, well, I work at a computer all day. And my first question is, what's the position of your monitor? Yeah. So I advise them good ergonomics. Make sure you have a good supportive chair with good lumbar support, arch support. And then you want to pull the monitor up to directly in front of your face so that if you're typing for hours on end, you're not looking down, you're looking straight ahead. And if you do a lot of desk work, take breaks. Um, a lot of people benefit from standing desk. Um, you know, take a break every 30 minutes, stretch your neck, walk around. These type of things best prevent it. All right, great information. And we have a caller right now, Herman. Yes, ma'am. Please go ahead and ask your question. <clears throat> I had a back surgery back in 2019 because of my uh, L5 and S1 disc was completely deteriorated. And they put a cage in me and ever since then, I've had problems with my lower back and my neuropathy in my leg. 
They is it similar to what you had before surgery? Does it feel different? It's well before surgery. There was I went down to the ground and couldn't get back up. So that's what caused me to go get my back looked at. But it irritates me more now than it did then. Mm. Have you had any imaging since your last surgery of your back? No, I have not. Okay. So, and you know, there again, it's, it's hard to say. Go ahead. I've developed neuropathy in my legs, and it constantly stings from my hip all the way down to my toes. They had me taking gapitin three times a day, 900 milligrams. Yeah. That's quite a bit. Someday I would say at this point, if you're having issues, it doesn't necessarily mean that anything's wrong with the original surgery. We see this is that sometimes when you have a fusion in the spine, you hear about this, that the levels above and below get additional stress put on them. So it could be that everything is okay. Maybe we just need to re-image and see what's going on. Um, it could also be that perhaps a level above or below is getting affected. Mm -hmm. And so that again is something I'm more than happy to see you for and get worked up. Okay. Uh, what I need to to my primary doctor is putting in a referral for Good Shepherd in Longview, but I still have not received any phone calls from them or Dr. Oshner. Okay, so um, why don't you give him your phone number? Give everyone your phone number on the screen so that they know how to call you directly. Sure. It's 318-212-7280 or willisknightandprecisionneuro.com. We'll get right. you to right. Let me get a picture of real quick so I can write down that number. All right. Thank you. We'll give it a couple of times here. Okay, so one question I had is neurosurgeon, neurologist. Mm -hmm. How are they different and how do you know which one to go see? Yeah, and I get that all the time. People ask, well, I thought you were a neurologist. And so um, the real difference is just that as a neurosurgeon, I primarily treat and work up conditions that are treated with surgery. And a neurologist will primarily treat and work up conditions that are treated more with medications. So a common example, things that, a, um, that I would not see would be migraine disorders, headaches, fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis. Um, but you know, issues that do affect the brain and the spine too that do require surgery, I see those. So that could include um, severe head injuries, brain tumors, um, bulging disc in the neck and back. Most of the time people with neck or back issues are going to come to me rather than to a neurologist just because if anything down the road if it were to require surgery they would need to see me anyways. All right and uh, are you ready for the phone number again sir? Okay well why don't you go ahead and give them your phone number one more time so people know where to find you. Sure 318-212-7280. All right, so let's talk about different types of surgeries. They have a neck issue, back issue, mm -hmm. a lot of sp spinal, and we've talked about these discs. Mm -hmm. what, what are some of the different options with surgery that, that, you, know, that you do and, and that people can even select from if that's appropriate? Yeah, so a lot of it just depends on, so assuming we've done all the conservative treatments and things aren't working or we just know they need surgery, a lot of it depends on where is the compression coming from. A lot of it boils down to, say, if a nerve is pinched or multiple nerves are getting pinched off. Most of the time for the neck, that's going to be from a disc herniation. So that's going to be from the front. So a very common procedure 
uh, for spine surgeons to do is where we go actually from the front of the neck to reach the disc space, to remove it, um, and to get the compression off the nerves. There are also minimally invasive options from behind the neck where we make a small incision in the back of the neck to decompress the nerve. For the lower back and the mid back, same concepts apply there too. Um, my concept in general is to try to be as minimally invasive as possible while getting the work done that needs to be done. I'm a big fan and proponent of minimally invasive spine surgery. It gets it done quicker and gets the patient better and home much faster as well. Oh, and those are all words that yeah. everybody wants to hear. All right, I think we have another caller now. Uh, Noah. Hello? Okay, yes. Noah, please, uh, we can barely hear you. Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me now? Yes. So, a few days ago, me and my dad were uh, in the backyard and we were playing football. And he accidentally hit me in my uh, groin region and it's swollen up quite large. Okay. Your groin is? Yes, the groin region. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. If it's, you know, you may have just pulled something or injured something. If it's something in the groin, um, you know, and it's not starting in the back or running forward, for that I would recommend reaching out to your primary care physician, let them take a look at. In that area, it could be a whole multitude of things going on. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling. You know, what, years ago, I was in an amusement park with my children, mm -hmm. and we were on one of those rides where you go up, and then it goes, Choo! Mm -hmm. And I had whiplash, my neck uh, uh, threw back, and it hurt for a year or so, but it mm -hmm. seemed to heal. Do a lot of things like that kind of often heal on their own? Most things will. Usually by about a year to a year and a half, most of these issues will, it won't be perfect necessarily, but it'll yeah. get much better to where it's not a nuisance. And so that's why even patients that have a disc bulge, a disc herniation, and they come in to meet first in a lot of pain. Um, I tell you, you know, down the road, you might need surgery. My goal is to get you through this without needing it. So if we can do things in the meantime, until we reach that year mark, like therapy, medications, injections, my hope is that by the year mark or so, you're gonna be fine without needing surgery. Yeah, that's that's such good advice. All right, well, we have another caller now. Karen, welcome to the show. Please ask your question. Yes, I have severe scoliosis and have numbness, tingling down my left leg. Do you treat scoliosis or is there anything I can do without having surgery? Yeah, so um, for scoliosis specifically, I... Um, if it requires, a lot of times these do require very large surgeries, and it just depends. If it's something that's very large and complicated, I may consult with a mentor on, may do the case together. Um, but for scoliosis, kind of the same principles apply, especially if it's you know setting in later in life. Is this something that's been an issue your whole life or just recently? I got diagnosed when I was 15, and just I'm over yeah. 50 now, so it just keeps getting worse. Got gotcha. you. Yeah, I think, you know, for 
Uh, I work very closely with pain management colleagues, and so they are doctors who are highly specialized in treating pain, not just with medications, but also procedures. And so that can be injections, ablations, which is nerve burning. A lot of these play a good role also in treating this type of pain, but it requires a, a good workup too. Before I do anything like that, I like to see people in the office get a full set of scoliosis x-rays, MRIs, and really see what's going on before making those types of recommendations. Okay, and we can just call your office and make an appointment? That's right. That's it. And the okay. phone number again is? 318-212-7280. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. Well, final question is, uh, we, you know, this is football time right now. Mm -hmm. We've got the Super Bowl coming up. I had football on my TV, unfortunately. Yeah. At home <laughs> last night. Uh, concussions. Hmm. How do you know when you've had a concussion that's bad enough it's time to come see you or another specialist? So anything with loss of consciousness, I definitely recommend getting in and getting seen. Um, you know, if it's severe on the field, they're gonna have trainers there, typically coaches that are trained to know when it's time to go to the hospital. The definition of a concussion is, is gonna be some sort of head injury, head trauma that gives you maybe loss of consciousness, but typically not, but just a severe headache afterwards. People say, I feel like I was run over by a train. They're gonna have headaches, they're gonna feel real tired and groggy. I would say, you know, even though you have these symptoms, if they're mild, if it's been lingering for more than a day or so, I would go in and get that checked out. And if you have a concussion, you need to sit out the sport for a little while? Correct. So I work very closely with a lot of the uh, regional high school um, teams. And so we have a protocol in place with the State Athletic Association. So my general protocol is you should not return to play or practice until your concussion symptoms are fully resolved at rest. So if you were, if it's been a few days and you're just, you know, in school or at home, but you're still having bad headaches and feeling sick, then it's not time to go back yet. All right, any other sports that uh, often pose a risk for this? The most common sports I see, uh, you know, football obviously is number one. I see a lot of wrestlers also. They'll be wrestling, they'll take a good, you know, hard throw on the mat okay. and hit their head. Um, occasionally basketball and soccer. Yeah. Okay, well that is the end. Thank you so much for joining us for Healthline 3. We hope you have a really good day and we'll see you back here soon. Thank you.